What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Perkins, the writer for Winnie Sacred Iron, and I'm joined, as always, and live, it's EJ Snyder. EJ, thank you for welcoming me into your home, and how are you doing after the Bears lost to the Lions? I guess that happened recently. It did happen. It doesn't feel like recently, though, does it, with everything no, it else that's going on? Um, I'm good. I, it was a strong game. It would have been great to see the Bears win at home, keep dan campbell winless on the road but as it worked out yeah it preserves a little draft position we saw justin Fields show out again we saw lots of other players show out too including the one we're going to talk about tonight yeah absolutely i mean personally i would have certainly liked to see cairo santos hit that extra point and we would have seen a tie football game either justin fields maybe things are a little different He's, he goes down and is able to win it in regulation i know that didn't happen uh but at least we would have gotten some free football there was a lot of free football over the weekend would have been nice if the bears would have had that opportunity and one more score would have hit my alternate over that i put a bet in and talked about on the betting show um and that would have given me a really nice week um i had a good week but it could have been a very nice week had these collapses not happened what are you gonna do yeah, there's a lot of collapses. There's a lot of last minutes. We did get the chance. JB came out on Saturday, so we got a chance to watch all the Sunday games together at Buffalo Wild Wings. And there was a lot of games there where we thought we knew what was going on. And then, you know, you went to the bathroom, you came back, and it's like, wait, they, they didn't finish? So yeah, it's a pretty popular ending this weekend. The Vikings game was probably the craziest, I think, of all of those. I mean, the Packers thing, we've all seen that movie before where, you know, the other they're they're 12th and 13th and 14th players on the field start to help them out, you know, and that that happens. Um, but but the Buffalo game, that was insane. The catch for Justin Jefferson. I'm freaking out about this catch with Justin Jefferson in real time. EJ's engaged in a conversation with another gentleman who was their Charger fan that's been doing some stuff with bootleg. And I'm like, guys, you have to stop talking. You have to watch this catch. It's ridiculous. And I was like, I think this might be the best catch I've ever seen. And they're like, stop. He's good. We know he's good at football. I'm like, no, no, look, watch this. Uh, that, so that was a lot of fun. I don't go to that kind of that's not my thing very often if the bears aren't on tv i'll go to a bar a lot of times i just kind of hunker in the corner you know get the bears game on and you know grab a grab a beer grab lunch you know yeah just kind of you know mind my own business but it was fun to have that interaction we had we're sitting next to a couple of uh couple young ladies right they're chiefs fans one was wearing the mahomes uh jersey and they were there the entire time we were they were there before us yep and they were there maybe even after us yeah so they were there for the you know we were there seven hours uh or some insane number like that and you know so so there was a lot of people that were doing the whole day thing you know it was very uh there was nobody there at first and then by the time we left like there was a line out the door yep uh so it was pretty cool it was a pretty cool experience and enjoyed myself yeah it was a lot of fun and it's just great always the one thing i do like about that i too like you like to be able to focus on the game a little bit more uh, i would love to stay in my little cave and be able to take notes but when i do go out and i do go out pretty often on sundays it's the it's the nfl diaspora right it's all the displaced fans of all the teams from all over the country that go to places like buffalo wild wings so that they can see you know the dolphins game while it's on so that they can see the jacksonville game every week or whatever it is and you know you see the jerseys you hear the cheers there was an entire side section that was oh, taken yeah. over by the raiders raiders there was like 35 raiders fans in there so coming out of the other wing you hear raiders <laughs> and it's it's just good stuff yeah it was it was enjoyable so we have a special drink that we're going to have on the podcast tonight we went to a special whiskey shop here locally uh, very cool. Had a hour in there where we were just 
you know, talking to the guys here. Just off. us. Just us. Uh, and then EJ bought a special bottle. So why don't you describe the bottle that we purchased tonight? Yeah. We, so I we, say we, yeah, it was he, EJ purchased it. So it's EJ's bottle, but I was part, I was along for the ride. Yeah, I got to carry this, it. There was consultation. I was like, if I was to get a bottle, which of these ones would you like? Because again, great whiskey is meant to be shared. It's like great wine or even great beer. Like it's much better when you can share it with your friends. So what we ended up with is a bottle from a distiller that neither of us has had anything from, which is kind of rare, I have to say. Uh, and it's called Burrell. And this is their seagrass. So it's rye whiskey finished in Martinique rum, Madeira, and apricot brandy barrels. It is 118 proof. It's cask strength. That means it's 59 horsepower as the irish would say um comes in a beautiful bottle and uh we're gonna pop this sucker open take off the fine little uh world spirit competition double gold medal from san francisco yeah so they, they uh, talked about how obviously very different apricot brandy barrels aging that that's kind of bizarre ever heard of something like that but there was a critic that named this the number two whiskey of the year so it's kind of this hot okay button item right now and now we have to this is the get a cork it oh, oh beautiful cork sound lovely so very cool bottle i have not dipped into these yet um because i have this thing like i kind of want to understand each distillery as i get into it and try to try the different versions and this is not a uh it's not a cheap endeavor to get into <laughs> this particular distillery. And so I have actually kind of avoided it because uh, I didn't know anything about it. And you have to kind of commit uh, to doing that. So uh, if you guys are out there and you know anything about this stuff, you know, let us know. But we're really excited. And I'm going to. Here you go. Oh, OK. I guess I was going to put it off to the side. No, we don't. I was going to put it off to my side. But yeah, <laughs> you can have more if you'd like. I just don't want all that air getting in there because why would we? But no, it's lovely stuff. What do you think? Oh, that's that's interesting. Oh, you can definitely taste the apricot. Oh, yeah, that that's fascinating. All right. And we will be well, I will be backing this up with uh, Bowie beer from Astoria, Oregon. I got one of their red ales that I'll be uh, clearing my palate with afterwards. But. Oh, right. Yeah, no, it's now. It's, does it taste like it smells? Because that's the other thing is a lot of times you'll get a big nose and then. Hmm. No, I think you taste the apricot. I think it's that's fascinating. EJ's taking a sip. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's different. That's different. Right off the crack. That is something special. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. You know who else is different? I do. Jack Sanborn. Jack Sanborn's different. Why is Jack Sanborn different? So here's the question that we're going to answer by the end of the night is with all of these reviews and episodes, is this a guy that the bears can count on as a building block into the future? That's what we're going for this year. We're going to, every time we're doing these reviews, we're asking ourselves that question. Is this a guy that's going to be on the team in two, three years? And Jack Sanborn is a fascinating player. Last week, before this breakout game, last week, EJ and I are texting back and forth. And he said, I'm going to do Chase Claypool. And I said, well, I mean, <laughs> sure. But what about Jack Sanborn? And he's like, uh, Chase Claypool's got more, you know, they're going to be more interested in Chase. I said, okay, but what about Jack Sanborn? But, and we, we, so we went back and forth, but this week you can't avoid it no it has to be jack sanborn and so i want to start at the beginning obviously the reason why jack sanborn's playing is because the bears traded roquan smith and it opened up a spot for him jack sanborn is an undrafted free agent mm -hmm. there is that is the lowest level of financial commitment and draft capital commitment that you can make to a player and he is now a starting linebacker on this team he has two starts and he has played quite well so we want to start from the beginning of the draft process because that's where ej learns about all these guys and shares his scouting reports about them well i want to start there when you were looking at jack sanborn last year what did you see and what did you think he was going to be coming out did you think he was going to be a drafted player yeah that's a really it's the best place to start and yeah he was noticeable on tape so wisconsin tape got a lot of eyeballs they had a very highly drafted edge rusher in leo chanel and he's a physical freak. 
Uh, he is in Jim Leonard's defense at Wisconsin, which is all about, if you know Jim Leonard, forward and pressure um, and basically stirring the pot. And Jack Sanborn's role was, in a lot of ways, to mirror Leo Chanel and clean up the messes he made. His job was to go in and just break crap. And Sanborn would come in and be the cleanup crew. And he was very, very good at it. He would come from the second level. He would come almost on what you'd look like a delayed blitz. And he would catch whatever flushed out of the mess that Chanel would blow up if he didn't get him himself. So Sanborn was, he had a lot of highlights. He had a lot of tackles. And what you could tell from his tape is that he was a really smart player. He took good angles. He was fundamentally sound. He was strong. And those are all admirable traits. The thing that tripped him up in the process, I did still think he was going to be a drafted player, was he didn't have a great combine. So we talk about RAS scores all the time. Uh, Jack Sanborn, 6'2", 234. Pretty good sized, actually, for a modern linebacker. Sure, absolutely. There's a lot of guys that are playing at 215, 218. Um, so 234 is good size. 6'2", not super tall on the scale of linebackers for RAS. So that works against him a little bit. His RAS worked up to 6.17, which is super average. Right. Um, he was 838 out of 2,188 linebackers from 87 to 2,000. So again, 800 out of 21. A little like above average. Just above average. Yep. Really average athletic profile in almost every way. So RAS cards are colored. And if you're great, you get a green. If you're okay, you get a yellow. And if you have a concerning measurement or score, you get a red. His Almost his entire card is yellow. Mm -hmm. Like it's just yellow top to bottom. 47340 is really the number that probably pitched him into the undrafted bin. Right. And basically, when you get in lower rounds, GMs want to take a chance on an athletic prospect. We talk about this all the time. Somebody with a lot of explosion, somebody with a lot of length, somebody that's very fast, very tall, whatever it is. They want they want sort of outliers. Sanborn just didn't hit enough or really any of those peaks right so he was still available after the draft nine foot broad jump basically they looked at him and said this this guy's an average linebacker and we can get average linebackers in other ways so he goes undrafted which is still a little surprising because he played in jim leonard's defense he had a lot of productivity big conference and he showed up on tape so there was that uh is he but really the bears go get him and they think this guy's going to be a practice squatter or he's going to make the 53 and he's going to contribute on special teams. That's his right. role for year one. That's pretty much the ceiling. In the preseason, we see him come in and he opened my eyes because he did things that he didn't have to do at Wisconsin. Right. And he started playing in space. He started playing with a little bit more range. He still doesn't have what you'd call true sideline to sideline speed. We'll talk about that a little bit in the breakdown. But he started to play much more actively in the passing game and going backwards at Wisconsin. Again, with Jim Leonard's defense, it was all about forwards. And it was like, wait, he can do these things, but he wasn't asked to do these things in college. And that's always a, a trip with scouting or a trap is, is it because he can't or because he didn't get asked to? And in his case, it turned out very clearly after the preseason because he didn't get asked to, but he can. And then he became a very intriguing player. Is he going to make the roster? By the end of preseason, yep, he's definitely going to make the roster. He's at least going to be a practice squatter. He's probably going to be on the 53. Turns out that that's the case. Nobody, I think, foresaw trading of Roquan. Roquan's a Raven. So what can Jack Sanborn do for the Bears? And it turns out he can do things. And what I think is interesting about uh, Sanborn is that there was some legitimate buzz about the Bears getting him as an undrafted free agent. And a lot of that's probably because people watched him play Big Ten football. A lot of Bears fans are Big Ten fans or you know Midwest. They watch a lot of college football. A lot of times that stuff doesn't really go anywhere. That that preseason hype, that undrafted free agent, like, oh, we got Jack Zamborn. Like, this is going to be a big deal. And you're like, okay, okay, okay we'll see. Right. <laughs> and it kind of turned in like it, like you said, in the preseason, you're like, oh, okay. And one of the things I talked about with Lester on Monday was if you're a instinctual linebacker and you're studying tape and you're playing so fast because you see it, right? You're anticipating that closes the gap between your average above average uh, testing scores and the guys that are testing off the charts, right? If you're playing with anticipation and seeing things quicker, you're going to be in that spot quicker. And that's what honestly what you see 
older players as they erode some of that mm-hmm. some of that speed they get beat up a little bit and they just get older you get a little slower when you get older right but because you, you have say uh, <laughs> but because you have gained all of this football knowledge and you've seen so much and you've studied so much film you start playing with more anticipation and you're at the point quicker that's how a lot of guys extend their career but this is the kind of guy that can make a career because he's able to play smart and instinctual. That's what's exciting about it is because he's able to get on the field and actually do the job because he is so smart and obviously studies the game and, and obviously shows great instinct. So you haven't read my notes, but it kind of sounds like you've read my notes. Well, those are my notes. I know, yeah. but your notes match my notes, which Good. is awesome. Instincts, vision, and toughness allow him to play faster than his time measurements, period. And you see that you saw it on tape at Wisconsin. And now even it's sometimes fun to go back with what you know now about a player and go, what did I miss? What did I see? It's a great self check for evaluators to be able to do that. And the one thing you don't see the great absence on his tape at Wisconsin, besides things like pass coverage are false steps. He doesn't run himself into the wrong gap. He doesn't move himself out of a good position into a bad one. He's, always at the right place and if he is moving he is moving forward in a positive way in a way that's going to basically cut down an angle get him to space faster to be able to make a tackle like there's a great efficiency between his mental processing and what he does physically and there's almost no fat to trim like it's all efficient and focused yeah so okay he's on the bears He's had a good preseason. He makes the roster because he deserves it. And you don't want to, you don't want to chance it to some other team scooping him up and, and, right. and plugging him in. So he makes he makes the 53. Roquan's traded. I think we were both pretty okay with that move. Yeah. Like I think that the idea of of trading Roquan, you know, two years ago seemed insane a year ago you're like no that's not gonna happen you know but as things kind of broke down over the summer they couldn't come to an extension some of the off field stuff with Rokan, you know whatever it was kind of like okay let's see what this kid has and so far i feel like one of the things that jack sanborn's done is say this was a smart move by ryan pulse to move roquan smith because you might have a guy here and so i want to see it's early Mm mm-hmm and it's against against the Lions, so let's 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 say that. Sure. But let's go through what you saw specifically in his game. This is twelve tackles, two sacks, an interception that was taken off the board because of a rather BS uh, hands legal hands to the face on Jalen Johnson. That's a that is filling the stat sheet. And then some. That's the funny thing about this is. So as I put it together, he played 56 snaps, which is 90% of all the defensive snaps for the Bears versus the Lions. Two sacks, two quarterback hits, two tackles for loss, <laughs> nine solos, three assists, and what we're just going to call an INT. Because yeah, yeah, it had was. nothing to do with, it was. with him. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Yes, it doesn't go on the stat sheet, but we all saw it, and he was in the right place. He caught the ball, which a lot of guys on defense don't do. If you look at that game, two sacks, two hits, or two QB hits, two TFLs, not going to worry about the tackles because tackles are kind of fickle. They go up and down. And an interception, it's literally better than all but one game Roquan played for the Bears this year. Yeah, I can believe that. If you stack it up. Now, Roquan, if you're a tackle defender, uh, tackle number defender, Mm -hmm. uh, we can have a talk about how teams score them, how the league scores them, why there's variance. all that tackles aren't the strongest number for me. I want to look at pressures for sure. I want to look at sacks again. That's not every linebacker. And then I want to look at certainly tackles for loss. TFL is big deal. That's a linebacker. Yeah, absolutely. They can influence that more often than the other two. The other two are really dependent on calls. Do you get to rush? Mm -hmm. Are you in running cleanup? All that. So to have all those, like it is clearly a better stat line than possibly any game that Roquan had, but I would say one of Roquan's games rates above that in terms of impact. That's amazing (laughs) for an undrafted free agent playing in basically his first full length game, first full action game. That's ridiculous. Like to be able to play better than a guy that, 
you know, is in the all pro conversation. He right. hasn't made all pro, but he's in that conversation. Right. Right. So been a second teamer multiple times. Exactly. Yep. That's a stunning thing. That's guys that can do that don't usually end up undrafted. So Sanborn this week, I texted JB on Monday. I was like, I'm doing Sanborn this week. Yep. Like we talked about it last week. I said no, I'm doing him this it was week. It's kind of like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course you're doing it. You that. have to. It's two weeks yeah. in a row, which is you know. well, I'll say that if if they don't make that terrible call on Jalen Johnson and that interception stands, the Bears are gonna win that football game, right? Yep. And then it becomes either the Justin Fields, one of the Justin Fields games, but there's going to be more of those. It, But it definitely becomes the, the Jack Sanborn game, the, the, the breakout, because th- those plays were huge. Like two TFLs and two sacks and a pick. Like it's ridiculous. And it was two a, hits. It so, was a fantastic game. Yeah, I'm big on pressures. Pressures yeah. make a difference even more so than sacks, I think. By the way, this is stunning yeah uh, yeah like, every time i go back i'm kind of like oh yeah i got it now. the whiskey is quite good for those of you yeah. listening it's and uh it's, I, it's pretty impressive if if they would like to sponsor a, a podcast or a season uh reach out to us let us know yeah we, they we, had yeah. many other good looking variants but this one i can see why it won the awards and made the list yeah um, it's uh maybe it's the jack sanborn and whiskey yeah it could be could but be. i don't know you paid you paid a lot it <laughs> needs to be a super cheap whiskey that's like super impressive super and surprising yeah, yeah. That's probably the Jack Sanborn. This is, this is a, yeah. Uh, So what, what do you get with Jack Sanborn versus what you had with Roquan Smith? And particularly we talk about production, but what do you lose? And what you lose really is range, right? Roquan is fast. He's always been fast. He was fast coming out fast in college and he can get to the sidelines. And he usually does. There are some guys that can, but don't, that's not, that's not Roquan. He is usually out at the sidelines. Even in this game, there were plays where it was like, ah, so that's what you give up. Yeah, Jack can't quite make that play to the edge. Okay, I'm cool with that, given the trade-off of draft position and how much it costs and everything else. But um, that's what you really lose. Other than that, I actually think you get some stuff. Okay. Um, some of the run-fit stuff, Sanborn, again, played at Wisconsin in the Big Ten, played against a lot of rushing teams, played against a lot of power offensive line teams, Iowa, Michigan, Nebraska, everybody else, right? And he knows how to fit a run. And by fit a run, I mean be in the right gap, show good technique against tackle, guard, doesn't matter. He took on both in this game. Get off a block and make a play. And it's that last part. It's that get off a block thing that Roquan – didn't do consistently this year. He can do it, of course. He got washed out a lot. He got pushed around, especially in the early games. You don't see that from Sanborn. You right. see him at most sort of neutral. Um, and even when he is getting driven by a much larger player, one thing he'll do is get himself to the outside. Like he'll work himself all the way across the face of that block so that he's back to the sideline and kind of forcing the running back back into the middle. So if even if he's not going to make the tackle, the guy's still not going to go around the outside. And he did get pushed in this game. He does need to put some more sand in his pants. He's a tough guy, but he needs to learn how to push back right. and anchor against certain blocks. But he is a rookie. That's pretty typical for rookies coming in. They need that year of strength and conditioning to really go, oh, damn, all of these guys are like the best guy I ever played in college. But even when he's getting pushed, he's contributing to making sure the play funnels back. And you know, when he's moving forward to attack a gap and doesn't have the lineman make first contact with him, you see great form technique. Get in, press them, get them to arm's length, shuffle them, get to your gap. Just classic sort of linebacker teach tape stuff. So that's really good, and I think it's probably even an improvement over what we saw Hmm. consistently from Roquan. I think that's fair. And and like you said, he played in the Big Ten and it's just like what you do, right? Like I mean, you, you know <laughs> all how, the time. All the time. You know how to kind of do that. And yeah, he probably went out there and was like, We're playing Detroit. You mean Michigan? Yeah, okay. I know how to do this, right? He's seen those concepts before. He knows he knows the steps. He knows how to step into the hole and, and make the play. Funny, one of the earliest reps on this tape, he's running into Jonah Jackson. There you go. <laughs> who played at Ohio State, who he's seen before, right? So it's like, oh, hey, Jonah, what's up? Let's do right, this again. Right, right, right. Um, which is, you know, that that happens with lots of players in the NFL, but I thought it was particularly interesting. He was like, snap, 
three or four, he's, you know, here comes Jonah and he's like, Oh, yeah. Hey man, I know you good to see you again. Um, I'm going to go through, usually I go through more of the plays. I'm going to go through less of the plays and go through more of the notes that I got from all of those plays. Um, very smart player, almost always calling out things pre-snap. So you see him again, this is a guy playing his second full game for the bears and he's the one pointing out, no, uh-uh, he's moving. Hey, he's yours, right? No, no, I got him. I'm going over. You go back, right? You see him very active before the snap. You can tell that mentally he understands the defense. I don't think he had the dot. No, I don't think he did. I don't think he's going to have the dot. Didn't matter. Was still calling things out to the guy who did have the dot. So, and the dot indicates the defensive captain who's has the radio communication from the DC. That's when we're talking about the dots, a sticker on your helmet. So, indicates the basically the defensive play caller on the field. play caller yeah, yeah not the captain but the, the yep. guy that's going to make the play call right but even so he was telling that guy sure this is what i see this is what i got and maybe that was just for his comfort to sort of double check and say am i right but it was consistent many plays he was pointing to everybody going nope get over there nope i got this so that indicates he's very active mentally in the defense still gaining feel in zone uh, well, by feel, I mean, he guards a little grass again. This was what he didn't do at Wisconsin was play going backwards in space in pass coverage. And when he did, it's what I'll call spot drop, which is the worst thing in the world, which right. is where like, get your depth and stand at a spot. And then that's guarding We call it guarding grass. Don't guard grass zones, not to guard grass. It's to guard whichever player comes into your grass. Right. That's your point. So he's still gaining some feel of when should I go forward? When my guy leaves the zone, what should I do? Should I follow him? Should I refill? There's a little bit of that that you can see the hesitancy. He's not playing fast yet going backwards in zone, but he is developing good spacing. You can see him looking around. I'm like, where are my guys? What level am I at? Is that guy seven yards behind me or is he 10 yards behind me? Okay, how far am I from being able to move forward and impact a play at the line if I'm in middle coverage zone where a linebacker can float? So you see him developing that, but there are definitely plays where he ends up guarding little grass. He ends up sort of in no man's land. Like, Oh, I didn't realize there's no players left on this side of the field. I should have been moving towards the play. So that'll come with time. Those are things that, especially since that wasn't his role in college and it's not what I would call his primary strength. He'll get that. Uh, make sure to get width when he's taking on blocks, forcing the run back inside. We already talked about that. Even when he's getting pushed around, he'll make sure he gets across the face of that offensive tackle or guard and and is basically guarding the outside so he can slide off and keep an outside run from going up the boundary. It's important. Needs to keep getting stronger, developing his leverage, gets hit, gets pushed around the point of attack if he's not attacking. If he's not the aggressor, if he's the guy that gets hit, he'll move backwards a ways. He's 234. He doesn't, he's not one of those guys that's just going to bend and bow up and sort of stick the offensive lineman in the hole. That hopefully will come with time. Lack of speed's an issue against Running backs, particularly on wide routes. I'm going to say that again. Lack of speed, sure. issue against running backs on wide routes. Why do I say that again? Because defensive coordinators saw it this week. Right. There were times that he got lucky. The back got wide, and there was a particularly a play where he was, uh, it was 536 left in the first quarter. It was a swing pass to the running back. He's late getting over, and because of that, he kind of has to lunge for the tackle. Back just sort of takes an easy step back and then reverses and goes inside, whereas if he was with him step for step when he caught that ball and turned and made contact, that wouldn't have happened. But that's where you see is like stringing it out past the numbers to the outside. He runs out of speed, and he's kind of like, I got to get there, and then he dives, and the running back's like, ha-ha, ole, and goes. Defensive coordinators saw that. I'm not the only one. I guarantee it. Right. Offensive coordinators saw it too. And they're going to be like, oh, we right. have insert fast running back here. Or right. uh, sometimes you might get him matched up on a slot player. They're going to be pushing Sanborn to the outside to string that speed. And maybe their guy can break a shoestring tackle because he doesn't get there. I was on the uh, Pride of Detroit podcast last week. They asked like, where can they you know, lions take advantage in the passing game. And I said, well, I would try these linebackers. You know, that that's, that's where I'm most worried about losing Roquan is that I'm not sure about the speed. And 
you know, you've got DeAndre Swift. That seems like a pretty good mismatch that I would try to exploit. I don't think Detroit did that enough. They didn't. I would say they didn't do it enough, and I'm surprised by that because their offense has been quite good pre-game planning, I would say, especially for that, but a little bit some in the second half in terms of after-half adjustments of saying, hey, where can we where can we push? What worked? What cracks did we see in the first half? And how can we pry those open? There was a couple of plays. Again, that was a first quarter play. Right. And I didn't really see it again in the second half. Like I, I would have been doing that and angle routes against him right. just to, again, test that agility. I think his agility is better than his speed. So, but I would have been doing both, right? Mm-hmm. Get him, get him to where he has to decide, break it back inside and then full on just gun for the boundary on the, again, the boundary side or the field side, the wide side, like where you have a lot of real estate, get some run, see if, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <you're... laughs> see if you can get out there, see if you can get to the boundary. And if so, you're probably going to be jumping through what is a lunging sort of arm tackle to your ankles. Right. Right. Yeah. It looked like a, look like a potential advantage for the Lions going into the game. Seemed like that might be something to be concerned about moving forward. And then of course, the bears are going to know what his limitations are and they're going to call defense in a way that's going to try to limit that exposure. Like, I mean, that's the, that's the chess game that continues to go on, but in we'll learn more and more about all of these players. And that, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's interesting. That's an interesting piece of like how to call the defense based on his strengths, because he's listed as weak side linebacker in this defense. He aligned in the middle, right? When there were three linebackers, when they were in quote unquote base four three, right? He was the middle linebacker exclusively. So usually the week would not be in the middle. That's where he was. He wasn't on nickel. It was him and Morrow, but he was never in on dime. That's that's Morrow's territory. Right. They took him out for that. Yeah. Morrow knows that better. He has better speed as a former safety. So Morrow was the dime guy. Sanborn was in on nickel. But again, when you went base and they go base more often in Eberflus and Alan Williams defense than they used to, certainly. And he was middle exclusively. And you could see him again calling those middle fits. And it's interesting. We'll have to see how that balance goes going forward. And I wouldn't doubt that um, they're getting a linebacker back off injured reserve this week. Like if there are faster backers, he might not get that nickel stuff as Mm. people start to exploit it. If people start getting success to the edge, they might go, hey, Jack, you're going to play base. And you're going to play special teams. And he's still very valuable there because, like, he loves him some base for 3D. <laughs> like, it is his happy place. It is He is the most comfortable in that alignment. That is Wisconsin all over again. It is the sort of least amount of translation. And he looks ready to go in that defense. Like, he looks like a two- or three-year vet. You were talking about players playing faster as they get ready. Um, that is where he really sort of, fits like a puzzle piece and goes i know already like i'm playing fast all right so let's take a quick break and then when we come back uh, we'll have you highlight the rest of what you saw uh, from jack sanborn against detroit and kind of answer that question that we posed at the top whether or not he is a piece for the bears into the future for the next few years stick with us what does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, EJ, we're back. So let's talk about Jack Sanborn's performance. Let's round out this evaluation and let's talk about whether or not he is a piece for the future for Ryan Poles and uh, Matt Eberflus's defense. Yeah, that's an interesting question. We're going to have to see again when any player comes in, there can be, and you hope there is, a burst, right? That they show something, right? That they perform. Uh, at or above the level of expectation. We've seen that now from Jack Sanborn for a couple of weeks. So that's good. That's the way it should be. Now comes the hard part because everybody in the NFL adjusts. Everybody takes that tape and goes, all right, what did he do well? What did he do poorly? Let's see if we can put him in conflict and then get some plays against him because that's their job is to exploit the weak places. So we've seen him in a place of strength. We've seen him filling the stat sheet. Let's see what he does with more of those reps with more tape behind him that can be exploited. And that's going to be the telltale of whether or not he is a cog. He's somebody that they are leaning on. Even if they don't, it's a wild success. If you get a UDFA that sticks on the roster, plays special teams, and is a very capable backup if called upon, that's That's a win. You've already exceeded your mandate, right? right? That's great. And if he becomes one of those guys, um, that can play regularly off UDFA status, forget it. That's a home run. So it's all about whether he can continue that high level of play, continue to evolve as people evolve against him, and quite frankly, increase his speed a little bit. We right. saw David Montgomery do it. And, you know, go get with a speed coach this offseason and say, hey, my one weakness is I ran a 4.73. I need to run a 4.65. Right. And work over the summer, whether that's getting light, maybe he's never, maybe he never ran track. I don't know. By the way, one of the reasons that he fits with the Bears, he played his high school ball in Lake Zurich, Illinois. Right. Local guy. Local guy goes to Wisconsin, comes home, kid made good. Like that's a a sort of natural piece and definitely led to more of that preseason mystique. Oh, yeah. And now it's all about what happens between the white lines. Right. Right. I, I think it's interesting. And I think. I'm I'm curious to see how many 57 jerseys we see right off the top because this is the type of player that Bears fans will go a little nutty about. 100%. And <laughs> and I and I understand. And you have the feel good story and you got the Big 10 and you got all that connection. I mean, I don't know how much crossover there is with Wisconsin fans and Bears fans. It doesn't matter. He's a local kid. So that you forgive him for going to Wisconsin. I think that's kind of how how that works. Hey, you take your D1 tickets where you get them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and again, that's a good defense to play for. They put plenty of people in the NFL. No, no, no doubt about that. I'm just saying it's it's in the land of cheese. So, you know, there's a little bit of demerit associated with that. But interesting to me that this is happening, you know, because I just don't see a lot of people complaining about the Roquan trade anymore. And, and I also think that this is just the type of guy that Bears fans just find love for. He plays the position that Bears fans love. Mm-hmm. And then because of that undrafted free agent status and the story, this is a guy people are going to buy a lot of jerseys for. So after Justin Fields, like, I don't know how to rank the potential jersey sales here, but I would say Sanborn's going to be up. He's going to be up in the top five without any question real mm. quick. That, that, that's my thinking. I, Yeah, we'll see because I think most people probably have their jersey bought for this year. Well, I mean... It might be Christmas, uh, right? So. I'm thinking, just you know, Justin Fields number one, obviously, both in the sales records and in the jersey number. And then after that, what is it? Mooney has got to be up I, there. I'm sure he's up there, but like from now until the end of the year, what, what jersey sales do you think are going to be? Oh, now between the end of the year is probably his strike while the iron is hot moment right Mm -hmm. if you're going to sell 57 jerseys and honestly if he makes a few more impact plays if he racks up a couple more sacks a bunch more tfls which are again right in his roundhouse from the wisconsin defense like he can do that already it's not like oh if he grows into it like he just has to keep making the plays that he's made for the last couple of weeks right if he does that 
it will be Paul Bunyan esque, <laughs> right? It will the right. legend will continue right. to grow that this undrafted free agent has six sacks, has seven sacks, whatever it turns out to be by the end of the year. Like then, that's when you'll see those jerseys hit. Is the Paul Bunyan axe rivalry game Wisconsin Minnesota? I Is don't that- know. Oh, okay. You don't know your rivalry games? I know a lot of rivalry games, but there are so many. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> there are so Maybe many. Maybe somebody in the comments will know that. But... Yes, I'm sure they will. Okay, so do you have any more notes before we answer the question? Uh, not really. We covered most of them. Um, you know, I had a note about him getting away with one on the screen. We talked about mm-hmm. that. Speed kills. We talked about that. Um Oh, getting away with one on the screen was uh, second quarter, 1440 left. Uh, he follows Joe Thomas a little bit too tightly. And I feel like this is him with Leo Chanel all over again. Uh. So Thomas goes in on the blitz and he basically follows right hand side of the defense and he gets a little too far. And the back basically gives him a little uh, chip and out. And Joe Thomas gets his hand on the ball. Mm. Oh, he oh, reaches okay. up and one, tips that one. it. Yep. If he hadn't tipped it, yeah, you could just see Sambor going, oh, oh no. shit, like I'm two steps too far. And that guy that gave me that really soft block wasn't giving me a block. He was giving me a basically that was on purpose. Right. Yes. And that's the kind of learning he's going to get. I don't think we'll see the mistake again, but he knew he was two steps too right. deep right. and was turning around. But if that ball had gone over his head, there were three blockers lined up. It could have gone for 15 or 20. Right. Re- like. Nobody was more happy than Jack Sanborn that Joe Thomas got a hand on that ball. Gotcha. Okay. So is Jack Sanborn a building block? Did they stumble upon a building? And this is why you bring UDFAs in. Like we, this is why we spend so much time in the off season talking about lower draft picks and UDFAs, because it's not be, it's not just for feel good. No. The, the, you, you need to hit on a couple of these selections or recruitment pitches or whatever and and get excess value out of them. Now, if that's a core special teamer that is, serves as a top backup as a UDFA, that's a win, right? But if you can get a starter into the future at a UDFA price, that's a giant win. That is a big yeah. excess value Massive. pick right there and you're not paying roquan smith all of the money you know you're not you're not uh, going out in free agency and, and buying a veteran right so is this a guy that you can see starting into the future or is this maybe a guy that's like you're really happy with this guy being your top reserve and a core special teamer because that's i think that's the range we're talking about here this is not he's not going to be on the team next year no they're going to find somebody better this guy has has now solidified a role with this team Yes, he will be on the team. I think that's fair to say. Whether or not it is a leader on special teams and a the number one linebacker backup off the bench, that is highly plausible. If he gets above that, if he does work on his limitations, if he gets a little bit stronger, gets a little bit faster, obviously he's already getting a little bit smarter. If he continues to stack those impact plays down the stretch for this team, it's going to matter. Like the coaches in their end of year evaluation would be like, Jack, you had six sacks and 10 TFLs in, you know, two thirds of the games or a little bit less. We <laughs> want to keep you around. And at that case, he really becomes Bobby Okereke from Indianapolis, right? He becomes not the superstar linebacker, but the other guy that's actually really functional, makes a ton of plays. Yeah. Um, and is there at a, a much lower cost than a Shaq Leonard or a Roquan Smith or anybody else. I could see him having that role. And that's really down to him and Morrow, I think. Like mm-hmm. Morrow's a $4 million guy, not a huge contract, but basically what you're paying a mid-level linebacker. Right. It's what uh, Kazir White got to go to Philadelphia almost exactly. So it's really like who fills that when you're talking about nickel, because teams spend more time in nickel than they spend in anything else. Right. Like. Is it is he the second guy in nickel? And if he is, then he is a starter, and he's at an incredibly reduced rate as a UDFA. Massive win. If not, he's the third guy that comes in in base, and it's still a massive win still because massive win. he's you know making great plays as a special teamer. He seems to have the mentality where that would be okay. Like I know he wants to start. All professional football players want to start. Sure. 
But if he is making a difference on special teams and he's coming in for maybe a third of the year to rotate between the linebacking core to, you know, patch up injuries, whatever else, that's still a massive win. If he gets that clean win to be the number two guy, it's an off the chart swing for Ryan Poles in his first year. I like it. And I agree. I really think that's the range right now that we're talking about. We'll get to see the rest of the year. You don't want to make you don't want to make decisions before you have the data. Right. You don't need to be forced into the decision before you have to make it, all that kind of stuff. I don't need to talk about that every single week. But this is a, an incredible start. And it, like unless and until offensive coordinators exploit him and he becomes the reason why you know they're right. losing games, even then you still have okay, now I know what I need to work on in the off season. Right. So it's exciting. I, I, this is why we wanted to do this angle this year on the show, because we, we know that this is a rebuild. We know that this was a gap year. So we want to see, and we want to try to predict where this team's going. Who are the guys that we're going to be cheering for in two, three years. Right. And when I say the Jersey, I mean, I'm part of this just fascination. I like Jersey sale numbers and all for that sure. kind of stuff, but also are people going to be regretting this, you know, because you buy a jersey and then two years later it's gone? I don't know, man. Like, this guy seems like he might be part of this rebuild now. And that's pretty fascinating to me. I hope that this guy's around for a while because he's fun to cheer for. I think that's the biggest point that I want to make is this is fun. <laughs> right. Like, we talked about finding your fun. We talked about it at the end of last season and how to watch when a team's not doing what you wanted to. We talked about expectations and how to approach this team like very consciously at the beginning of this season, because right. we knew it was a rebuild. Like what, what are the things that are good here? This is so good. Like this is fun. This is the, you know, winning lottery ticket, however, whichever angle you want to look at uh, hometown kid makes good. There are just multiple ways that the Jack Sanborn experiment, whichever way it goes, it's just fun. And right now he's paying it off. He's making good plays better plays than much higher paid linebackers. Right. This is a feel good story. It's a fun story. It's good economically for the bears. Like this is just, this is what you want. It's going to be fun to watch him this week in Atlanta, right? Because he's going to have some interesting running backs in in that backfield. There's some talent there, Oh yeah. you know, so we're going to, and we're going to see a very talented offensive mind in Arthur Smith. How is he going to see that? Is he going to put him under the microscope and is he going to try to exploit maybe the bad stuff that he put on film? My answer would to that would be, I would sure think so. I have a high opinion of Arthur Smith, and I think that he's probably going to go after him. But you're also going to see uh, Jack Sanborn play against Aaron Rodgers coming up. You're going to see him play against Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. Yes, Bears fans, we have to play probably the two best teams in the NFL still on the schedule. So like, there's going to be some very interesting offenses, very interesting play callers that the Bears defense is going to play against, they're going to give up a lot of points because they've been giving up a lot of points already in the last few weeks. They're going to continue to do that, but there's individual matchups inside of that that you can still watch and try to pull a lot of value from. And honestly, right now, Sanborn is a guy that I want to keep watching. Yeah, it's it'll be fascinating to see how he gets matched up. And, and specifically, if we're just looking at the Falcons, like the Jack Sanborn Tyler Algier matchup is one I want to watch because I think Jack's going to has a decent shot to get the upper hand in that one. Mm-hmm. Tyler Algier, very good running back, also a rookie. Jack Sanborn, very good linebacker. I want to see that clash. I think he's got a fair shot to take that matchup. What I don't want to see is Kyle Pitts in the slot. Yeah. On right. Jack Sanborn right. because that's got to be brisker. Yeah. That's, that's got to yeah. be a bracket with him at best underneath in the mm-hmm. short zone. Um, there are those places where he's going to find his limitations, but he's going to have to learn through that because all linebackers do. And let's be honest. There are a lot of linebackers that play in the NFL that are more limited physically right. than Jack Sanborn. Right. There are lots of them, not as many as there used to be, but there are a lot of linebackers that cannot move sideline to sideline. They are all about going forward. They're all about run fits and Right now, I'd say they don't even play the pass as well as Sanborn, even half a year into his professional career. So it's not like Sanborn is so limited that if he stays, it's kind of the Bears just settling for Hmm. blah, blah, blah. There are a lot of teams that have their second linebacker that doesn't have what he has right now. So let's see how he grows. I love it. 
All right, man. Well, this is fun. We will get out of here for the podcast uh, after we kind of talk about what we're up to, what we're doing, and we'll stick around a little bit for YouTube. So those of you that have comments, uh, you know, please put them in the chat while we close up here. But uh, fun stuff, fun, fun report. Those are good. Yeah. You know, it's better than, than, you know, putting together one that with a player that's not doing very well. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, this week, obviously I'm traveling, I'm out of the Pacific Northwest. I will be back in home turf on Sunday for, uh, the gambling show. So make sure that you uh, tune into that. I was just kind of bragging to EJ a little bit earlier today that so far this year, I'm plus 11 in the, in the picking, uh, elements that we start off with Ross Reed. Um, Ross and I are both doing quite well on the, uh, on our, uh, prop bet segment. Um, you know, I'm not doing well in survivor league. I've taken four strikes, but so, so don't follow my advice on survivor league, <laughs> but I'm um, doing well overall. It's a really fun show. Join us on, uh, on Sundays at 10 o'clock central time. And then of course, Robert Schmitz and I are going to do the preview show. We're going to do it a day early. I got to do it tomorrow because Friday we're doing a little vacation day out in the Pacific Northwest. Gonna, I think we're going to go a little Island hopping. So oh, very um, nice. we're going to have some fun there. What do you got going on? Uh, lots. We just launched shorts on the bootleg YouTube channel today. Shorts are a big deal on YouTube. Look for a short almost every day coming out of bootleg shorts on YouTube. For those of you that don't know, are a 59 second slice of content, uh, goes up on the main channel. So you'll see them there. If you're already subscribed and have your notifications, you'll see them as they pop up. If you don't go get that done now. Um, but it's just a way to sort of bring some of the larger denser content to little snippets that hey if you like them it'll bring you into the rest of the content we'll have ones leading into the thursday game of course we'll be doing the thursday night live stream this week we will skip it next week because that's thanksgiving and neither of us are going to be at home base for that so uh won't have a thursday night live stream next week but the pod will come out on time next week and every week after that that's probably the biggest news of the day Awesome stuff. And while you're subscribing to bootleg, also subscribe to second city. Um, that would be great. You know, but do that first, maybe, I don't yeah. know. I mean, before no, you forget. Yeah. Yeah. Before you forget. So, all right. Thanks everybody uh, for joining us this week. We'll be back next week to review the bears Falcons game, the Chalanta Balkans uh, as all of the former bears players that, that play down there and all the former executives that are scouting players and signing all the former bears players. So that'll be a fun one. Um, stick with us we're gonna have fun the rest of the season until next week bear down What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.